1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Lincoln Journal Stars Life in the Ride podcast. Luke Mullen and Amy just here once again another week. Uh, Today, kind of the burning topic we want to talk about is we got a recap, a season, a football season officially over, five and seven. Uh, Pretty, pretty tough, tough end of the year. We'll get into that. Got some basketball updates as well. And wanted to mention for all the uh, volleyball fans of the podcast, we will have a, a volleyball only episode. Dropping later this week, myself and Amy, and of course, our Brent Wagner previewing NCAA tournament, uh, talking about the Huskers' chances. Excited for that one. There's a lot of excitement about this NCAA
0: tournament run. Yeah, Nebraska's the number one overall seed. And, uh, you know, if they, they keep winning, they would have a home court advantage. I almost said home field, Uh home court <laughs> advantage all the way uh, through the Elite Eight. So it's a good position to be in.
1: Yep. We'll have a lot to break down, of course, the bracket, Huskers' chances, how the team's looking right now, everything, again, with Brent later this week. But talking about a couple other sports before we get into football, Uh, I want to talk with a a brief update about the soccer team real quick. had mentioned last week uh, that they were in the Elite Eight. Uh, Their season did come to an end, 2-1 to overtime loss to Stanford. Sarah Weber had tied the match with four minutes remaining uh, to even send it into overtime, so Really nice moment for the team there, that late equalizer. And officially Nebraska's best NCAA tournament run since the 1999 season. Uh, really, really great year for the whole team.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. The the record book, uh, I uh, feel bad for whoever needs to update that because it's going to take some time between yeah. all of the records that Eleanor Dale broke this year.
1: Yeah, a lot of categories. need updating, huh?
0: Yeah, uh, points responsible for, goals. Shots on goal, shots. I mean, she was up there in just about all of them. Yeah,
1: so absolutely uh, well done to the entire uh, soccer coaching staff, um, as well as a, a good group uh, that came in here and, and made it an Elite Eight tournament run this year. But moving on to basketball, uh, women's and men's teams, they were both in action this last week, some games around the Thanksgiving break. Uh, the women's team, two games down in Florida, Beat Lamar 75-61, Natalie Potts and Jazz Shelley. Uh, really good scoring performances in that one. Followed by 88-81 defeat to TCU. Got down early in that one. TCU 7-0. They're undefeated after that win, but kind of that big hole. You know, they started to score a lot there in the second half, but uh, just too much of a, a deficit to come back from, right?
0: Yeah, no, you can't get down like that to a team that can score at the clip that they do. Um Valiant comeback effort there, but just a little too late on that one, I think.
1: Yeah, and obviously, like, you know, it's November. We're a long way out, but some of these non-covered twins, you know, you got to pick them up come tournament selection time. You know, you might be looking back going, oh, that would have been a, a nice one just to, to boost the resume a little bit, but lots of games left. Um, just a, a case of the early deficit being too much. Alexis Markowski, double-double in that one. Another good game from Josh Shelley. End of note, Natalie Potts. Uh, 22 points on 9 of 10 shooting against Lamar. Got a Big Ten freshman of the week on her, second time in three weeks.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the way that she has played this season has definitely been something that's impressed. Uh, hopefully, she can keep it up.
1: Yeah. Really raised the level of that front court, coming in, shooting at a very high level. Oh,
0: yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Super efficient down there. And for this week, Nebraska hosting Florida Atlantic on Wednesday night, Georgia Tech Saturday afternoon on that one. The women's basketball update. And as for the men's basketball team, 7-0 start, uh, best since 1992-93 season. And I think these recent, these most two games were kind of interesting because the defense faded a little bit, but mm-hmm. the, the shooting really got going these last two.
0: Yeah, they were not pleased with their defensive effort, uh, especially after this last one.
1: made that clear, didn't
0: he? Uh, so did rink yeah. Mass. rink Mass did yeah. not shy away from it either. Um, but... You'd rather learn those lessons in a win than a loss. Um, and yeah, they've got a lot uh, to work on this week. Thankfully for them, only one game this week, so more time can be spent on uh, figuring out why their their defense, for a defense-oriented team, yep. has faded the past couple weeks.
1: Yeah, and those two results was 89-79 win over DeCain and 85-72 win over Cal State Fullerton. Uh, that went over Fullerton, Rink, Mass, Bryce Williams, Jamarcus Lawrence, Casey Tomanaga and Jawan Gary, all scoring in double figures. So scoring coming from a lot of different places. Good three point shooting effort uh that one as well. And when you look at this season, I mean, this is right where Nebraska wanted to be. Seven and zero. They got the whole week off. Number fifteen Creighton's coming to town. Like there is some serious buzz about the start to the season that they're having.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And. You know, I'm more impressed with how they've continued to gel just because of all of the preseason and early season injuries, and yet they're still here at 7 Now I'm really um, just intrigued and impressed by the job that Rink Mast has been able to do on that end of the floor and, you know, continue to shoot outside. Um, that's a threat that they didn't have last year. Um, and then Kase is back to Kase form. He was perfect uh, this weekend. Uh, didn't miss a single shot. I don't think, which is crazy. pretty good.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. I don't think you can ask for better. <laughs> um, and then Juwan Gary. Um, while his um scoring output um this weekend was a little less than it had been earlier, his physicality just really changes things. Um, when he missed all those games due to his suspension, so uh, having them at almost full strength. There's a couple guys who are still out. Um, will be good for them come Sunday for uh which should be an interesting one.
1: Yep, certainly will be tested that defense. And I don't know, maybe it's just, you know, seven games in. It's obviously a, a much smaller sample size, but it just feels to me like one of the most cohesive teams that Hoiberg has had, like the way that they run offense. I mean, there's there's been a lot of times in past season where it was just you know, ISO, ISO, you know, take your turn. I mean, they they move the ball. They're playing really, really good team basketball together.
0: Yeah, and they're they're spreading things around a lot more um, than they did last year. Um, obviously, it's early. It's still November, but it's a good start for them. Yeah,
1: certainly. And, of course, that uh, big test ranked opponent Creighton coming to PBA, that is 3 o'clock on Sunday. Uh, expecting loud, sold out crowd <laughs> going to be uh, quite the buzz in the arena that day.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, they're going to they're going to be uh getting all the the pregame Husker vision boards. They're getting all that stuff ready. They're going to uh going to be able to pump up the crowd, I think, certainly in that one. So two, two big games there uh, for women's basketball and men's basketball, again, at home this weekend. But wanting to, of course, talk about the football team. Um, recap this twenty twenty three season. Um, first off, I mean thirteen ten loss to Iowa. That was a uh, that was a pretty brutal one, adding to a string of one score losses that are are going to sting heavily.
0: Yeah, it was the third third game of the season. Um, that ended with a game winning field goal for the other team, with the game ending in a thirteen to ten score. <laughs> <laughs> Bookend obscure end-
1: stat that is horrible.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean it bookended the season because they started that way against minnesota and then maryland and then at the end of iowa yeah I, 13 to 10 i think will be a triggering number sequence Certainly. for nebraska fans for a while
1: yeah i thought it was pretty fitting that it just the the roller coaster that last minute of the game where you know i was driving you know they turn it over and suddenly, you know, it's the hope that that gets you. That's what the fans will be saying. You know, Nebraska gets the ball, and then the chuba Purdy interception, turn it right back, uh, the field goal. I mean, that's just from my, that's just about sums it up, huh? Yeah,
0: field goal from a kicker who wasn't even on their depth chart. Yep, the backup kicker
1: coming in. Yeah, <laughs> quite the uh, string of events. And of course, I mean, this means that Nebraska ends the year five and seven, missing a bowl. Last week we kind of talked about a little bit if this means their season is a failure or not. Um, Not sure how we feel about that a week after, you know, going through that game. But looking back at this 2023 season, what's your overall take on just how well this Nebraska team performed?
0: Yeah, I, you know, even after that Iowa loss, I still wouldn't consider it a failure. But there are a lot of things, like specific things that feel like it. The turnovers, for one. They cut out 15% of those turnovers, they're going to a bowl game. If they cut out half of them, completely different conversation. They only have 10% of those turnovers, their ceiling's 10-2. and Like, I don't want to make excuses for that, and I'm not going to. But just taking those off of the table, this is a completely different team. And I think that's part of why Nebraska fans are so frustrated with all of this. It's just because they talked about it week one, then week two, then week three. It was a season-long issue that never got fixed, and at some points looked like it just kept getting worse. I would be very, very frustrated if I was a Nebraska fan because they said they were working on it all year, and it never got better. Yeah,
1: and every— And every loss, you know, just couldn't get out of their way at times. And to your point with the turnovers, it was like, even those wins, a lot of those wins were in spite of the turnovers, too. Like, they were an issue even in the games that they won.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They shot themselves in the foot so many times. I'm surprised they still have a foot. (laughs) I mean. That's a good one. Yeah. Just like, how? How does this keep happening? And it's something they're gonna have to take a really long look in the mirror at in the off season because this cannot continue to happen. It just can't.
1: Yeah, certainly. And I I do think too a uh, a relatively easier schedule, you know, a weak division that they were in, obviously getting out to that five win mark and then losing the final four, like all of those different factors I think impact uh just how emotional and disappointing that end of the season was. But like I said last week, like if you'd looked at it a year ago, five wins would have been palatable, certainly. Um, the nature in which the season ended is really tough. But I think a lot of people can see Matt Rule is a long term coach. He's got a long term philosophy. And I don't think he's I don't think he's gonna be panicking over a five win season in year one.
0: No, but he should be panicking over those turnovers. That's right.
1: Because that that could be the consistent thing that limits Seasons to come, right? I mean, it's a trend that's been over several, several seasons.
0: Yeah, yeah. It predates him for sure, but this was bad.
1: Yep, certainly. And breaking down, I'm getting a little bit more in-depth here into the offense and the defense. We'll have some awards coming up here at the end, but I want to go position by position um, share our thoughts on how these different position groups performed. um, the top performers as well, top players, and of course, got to start on offense with the quarterback spot. Jeff Sims, the guy, they got him out of the portal. He comes in those first two weeks. I mean, they were they were not anywhere near the level of quarterback play you need to win games.
0: No, absolutely not. And you know, he got that high ankle sprain against Colorado and then you know, was effectively benched after he got healthy came in in relief in a couple games against Purdue and against Maryland and just didn't uh, or continued to have the issues that he was having in the first two weeks. And you can't do that. Yeah.
1: What I wonder is, too, like, if if he didn't get injured that early, like, how long was the coaching staff going to be able to stick with him and hope they could fix those mistakes? What do you fix those mistakes? Uh, ultimately, what we saw – these last couple of weeks indicated it's just, it's just part of his game in this offensive system with everything around him. I mean, it was just not a good combination of factors for him this year.
0: I was calling for his benching during Colorado. So. Yeah, but
1: it was tough. I mean, it, it was it was a really tough start, and once that ball gets rolling, it's it was hard. To, it was really hard for him to turn that around. Certainly, yeah, absolutely. So in the end, I mean, having three different quarterbacks start multiple games, uh, I don't think that would have been. Uh, anywhere near the desire of of Matt Ruhl and Marcus Soderfield. but Heinrich Harburg, you know, he led that winning streak, uh, showed a lot as a runner, but really struggled in the passing game. Several really, really bad interceptions um, that people noticed. And Chubba Purdy then those final two weeks uh, looked really strong at moments, you know, struggled at others, inconsistent inconsistent, probably a, a good word to uh, describe these quarterbacks, except when
0: it came to turning over the ball. Yeah, yeah. yeah the only thing consistent about them <laughs> was that they continued to turn the ball over. And they but... could all
1: they could all run. They're all good runners. We'll give them we'll give Yeah, them that. we'll
0: give them yeah. that, I guess. Um, different types of runners, yeah, though. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, no, just not what you wanted from any of them. Yeah,
1: very, very poor year uh, from the most important position on the field. Uh, put a lot of pressure, I think on the defense and, of course, on the other skill positions um, who were severely limited by injuries. Uh, running back Ramir Johnson and Gabe Irvin, only a couple of weeks into the year, they both went down season-ending injuries, uh, did allow Emma Johnson to kind of emerge as a, a key guy in that room.
0: Yeah, he uh, he was a bright spot, I think, um, that we I mean, he was off the depth chart when the season yeah. started, uh, buried behind Ramir and Gabe and Anthony Grant, Um But he, you know, really embraced, I think, that next man up mentality and showed what he could do. Yeah, he had a few plays I'm sure he would want back. But um, all in all, a pleasant season for him.
1: Yeah, looked like a really, really good, capable runner there against those Big Ten defenses. And really, I think Gabe Irvin looked incredible to start the Mm -hmm. year. Um, kind of a, a what-if there if he'd been healthy for the whole year. Definitely could have been
0: a 1,000-yard rusher. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think so. Yeah,
1: so a lot of uh, potential there. Him coming back, Emma Johnson, and Ramir Johnson, um, all potentially coming back there in their running back room. And then at the wide receiver spot, um, the veteran core that they expected, Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda, Marcus Washington, Billy Kemp, they all got hurt. Uh, IGC in Washington, season-ending injuries, uh, before the midway point, Billy Kemp missing a couple weeks. Um, and you, Kemp was, he was very consistent. He was good slot wide out. Um, but the loss of those veteran guys put the freshmen on the field right away. They made some big plays, but still, it was definitely very noticeable that the separation wasn't always there from this wide receiver group.
0: Yeah. And They showed flashes, like there were parts of, you know, Malachi Coleman's game that I really liked. Uh, There were parts of, you know, Jalen Lloyd's game that I really liked. Um, But you could tell that they're freshmen. Um, But man, what they could turn into will be really special. And I'm glad that if they had to be thrown into action this season, I'm glad they got that opportunity. Even if it (laughs) does suck that that's how they got in there. I mean, you don't want your number one wide receiver to go down with an ACL tear the first week of the season or your number two guy to you know, have the same thing happen to him the next week.
1: Yeah, certainly the the long-term benefit from that will be great. Uh, but I, I also think with the, the inexperience getting those young players on the field, I mean, there's a lot of times this season where the play call was late, like they had to burn a timeout, guys weren't sure where to line up. Like, obviously, it's it's no one's fault in particular. Like, this was an offense-wide thing, but certainly, like, working out some of those issues. I think that definitely happened this year. Um, so they'll see if uh, that wide receiver room can can make a big jump next season as well. And tight ends and fullbacks, Thomas Fedoni, full full year from him. Um, Nate Borkatcher and Luke Lindenmeyer, kind of those backup tight ends in there. And mostly Janier and Bonner at fullback. Barrett Liebentritt played a little bit. Um, honestly, thought we'd see a little bit more fullback love in the mm-hmm. offense. They were there, but I mean, not didn't get a whole lot of touches, which, you know, obviously they've They got other jobs to do, but thought, you know, maybe Soderfield could incorporate those guys. That's what I thought.
0: Yeah, they were so high on it early, and then it just didn't uh, evolve into what I think everybody thought it could, but another thing for them to address in the offseason. Yeah,
1: really good uh, year for Thomas Fidoni as well, consistent target there in the passing game.
0: Yeah, yeah. I hate how, regardless of who was in there at quarterback, they consistently overthrew him. That's where a lot of those interceptions came from, is overthrowing Thomas Fedoni on a crossing run over the middle. But
1: I think it showed though that he was good at creating some separation against those linebackers. How often he was open over the middle of the field. Um really good, really good uh, season for him there again, fully healthy, able to get through that one. And then the offensive line. Um, dealt with some injuries, had to get shuffled up there a little bit, uh, there mid season. But I thought really good in the run game. Um, inconsistent pass blocking. Like they had some good weeks, had some bad weeks where uh, they were just getting rushed off the edge constantly. But really, I thought a, a pretty good improvement for this unit from last year.
0: Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would say so. And I really liked the depth that, that they had. There, the depths they had there. Um you didn't know going into the season what that would look like. Mm -hmm. There was just so many young guys who just hadn't had any opportunity to play um, that would be called upon if something happened. And Justin Evans Jenkins did a phenomenal job playing several different positions when he needed to. Yeah,
1: and I thought Ben Scott coming in, veteran center, did a great job. Bryce Benhart has become a a veteran right tackle there, had some very good games um, as well. So offensive line, Made a jump, I thought as well, but again, pretty limited season from this offense overall. Definitely the story of this year's Nebraska team was its defense, and that starts up front. The defensive line, Ty Robinson, Nash Huntmaker, the whole crew, I mean, there's eight, ten guys who who got in there over the course of this season, made an impact. This whole defensive line unit, I think, had a, a great, great season.
0: Yeah, that was one of the biggest question marks we had coming into was, the year yeah. was, Do they have the depth? Will it work? And uh, yes and yes to both of those questions. Um, Really, really impressed by what Tony White got out of those guys, how um, they were just put in the right positions to succeed.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, too, because uh, they were definitely experimenting a little bit those first few weeks, like what were the right packages that were going to work, you know, getting guys in different situations. I think we saw these last, you know, four or five weeks. They kind of tightened up that rotation a little bit. Robinson and Huntmaker out there a lot. Like, they knew how legit these two guys were. And and they were, those two in particular, were, a lot, were in the backfield a lot.
0: Yeah, they incredible seasons from both of them.
1: Yep, good pass rush, good run defense, uh, solid effort from that D-line overall. And, of course, linebackers back there uh, supporting them. Two of the main guys coming into the year, Luke Reimer, Nick Henrik. Uh, both of them got dinged up, missed a couple weeks. Um, other players emerged: Javon Wright, Makai Bear, um, two of those like depth players to begin the year. You thought, oh, you know, maybe they're going to get some snaps here, or there. Those two guys were very key uh, down there, down the stretch. John Bullock also in that room. MJ Sherman at the Jack. I mean, there were a lot of linebackers that got in as well, and and Luke Reimer in the middle of that uh, played a, a very big role.
0: Yes, yes, he did. Uh, he is uh, one of the only uh, defenders on this very good defense that earned uh recognition from the Big Ten today.
1: Yeah, a little surprising. But
0: you know, there they there are some very so yeah, much that yeah. it's hard to pick.
1: And there are some very, very good defenses in this conference too. Yes. So yeah, definitely uh maybe not the postseason recognition for that unit, but their collective uh totals were super impressive. And as well the defensive backs, uh, the secondary, Quinn Newsom, that senior Um, What you expect from him, very much so a lockdown cornerback, had a a great, great season as well. Tommy Hill, by the way, one of the standout performers for this team, uh, really came on, had a great year at cornerback. Safety position got shaken up a little bit. Deshaun Singleton, Phelan Sanford, Marcus Buford, like it, it changed a lot week to week there.
0: Yeah, I really liked when Buford was healthy enough to come back. I liked the job that he did there. Um, Because you never know with guys coming off of those ACLs, um, but he did a phenomenal job after not having played football for over a year. Yeah.
1: And the thing that I think, too, is like this defense was really good. How much better would they have been if Deshaun Singleton played all 12 games? Because he was phenomenal those first few weeks to start the year. Uh, Really, really highlighted uh, in this scheme, I think, his strengths there. Playing in the box a little bit, being that impactful secondary guy coming up.
0: Yeah, no kidding.
1: Yep. And as well, I uh, got to get some love to the special teams unit, uh, Ed Foley coming in. Definitely some improvements were needed from a really, really bad uh, couple of seasons, you know, inconsistency, lack of returns, um, all sorts of things going on. How do you think that uh, Ed Foley's first season went in that area?
0: Yeah. Oh, I feel like there were some things that were incredible. I mean, four blocked kicks That's one of the top performances of the season by any team. Um, And then you have the woes at punt return. I haven't looked up the stat, but I would imagine Nebraska is at the the bottom of the barrel in punt return again. Um, So that needs to get figured out ASAP. But, I mean, you know, you have some great things and you have some garbage things. And, you know. It's good to have good things to draw from, but definitely there are some things to shore up as well.
1: Yeah, this is not a statistical statement, but I feel like they created more game-changing plays than they had go against them in the special teams. Department.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree. Um, but I just can't stop thinking about how abysmal their punt return yeah. game was. Yeah.
1: Certainly, uh, they left, they left a lot of yards out there on the field in that category, but yes. some improvements, you know, freshman kicker Tristan Alvano had a decent year. Um, they'll look at punter Brian Bushini had a pretty decent three, 3.3 3 yard, uh, decrease in his average punt from a year ago. So that'll be an off season discussion as well. Uh, but that's our thoughts on the special teams unit and want to give some thoughts on the coaching staff in general, uh, any, position group, position coach, coordinator, anybody who you thought, ah, they really coached up their unit this year?
0: Tony White, man. Yeah. He did a bang-up job with that defense. I'll be the first to admit, I was a little skeptical um, because I just kept going back to how last season when Eric Chenander was fired and Bill Bush was you know, elevated to be their defensive coordinator and how he said he had to simplify things because the defense was just too complicated for these guys. And I'm like, well, how is an even more complicated defense going to work? Well, worked just fine.
1: Yeah, I thought it was great, too. Like, we were there in August. Like, are you still installing, like, the players? And he was so confident. He was like, no, the guys know their spots in the defense. And I think they certainly proved that in their play all I'll mention Terrence Knight, and certainly for mm-hmm. getting that defensive line unit ready. I think just in the glimpses that we see from him at practice, like such an active coach too, like getting in those drills, showing the technique. I mean, he's a he's a former pro. He he clearly has a lot of uh, important lessons that he passed down to that group.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he he deserves the recognition as well.
1: Yeah, certainly a, a great year for his unit, and I think it's uh it's award time. We've got yes. five different categories. Uh, we want to hand out some awards to this year's team. And we'll start off with our unsung hero award. Uh maybe not the stat production or the recognition, but contributed a lot. I mentioned him earlier. Tommy Hill to me is that guy. Uh they pl- he played a little wide receiver. Like that's kind of forgotten about as we got further in the year. Like he he could have played a lot of wide receiver this season, if not for some uh injuries there in the secondary. I think really came along. He's gonna be a, a great corner. For this team next year, honorable mention to Alex Bullock, uh, third most offensive snaps. They're really consistent wide receiver.
0: I am going to get some eyebrow raises for my answer, and that's fine. Um, I'm going with long snapper Marco Ortiz. I think that you never heard about him. And on a unit that had its ups and downs, he was so consistent. I don't think he had a bad snap. All season, and he is being recognized for that. He is one of the three finalists for the Manley Award, which goes to the best long snapper in the country. Um, If he wins that, um, he could have his jersey retired because that's how Nebraska does things. If you win a major award or if you're a first-team All-American, you get your jersey retired, your name on the stadium, and he's the only one on this team that is uh, in consideration for a major football award and so he is my unsung hero of the season.
1: Yeah, I was I was maybe going to be one of those eyebrow raisers but your points I mean top special teams performer and like you said I mean I can't I can't remember a bad snap from him as consistent as can be.
0: Yeah, yeah. A a great guy out of the transfer portal that they got. Yeah,
1: in- one year solid. That's kind of, I mean, a lot of coaches would would love uh an addition like that in any position, certainly at long snapper made a big difference to that special teams unit. Our second award, rookie of the season, freshman, first year sophomore uh who came in really impressed. I'm gonna cheat, I'm gonna say two. Uh Cam Lenhard and Prince Well uh, just because both of those guys came in, played right away, uh, looked like they fit in there along the line of scrimmage. Um, Lenhardt, I thought he did some good things there in run defense. Prince Will, really good pass rusher. Uh, Both those guys, you know, maybe not out there for 30, 40 snaps a game yet. Again, they're freshmen. They're getting, you know, 20 snaps a game. That is huge, huge for their development. Um, You know, going up against these really good Big Ten offensive lines too. Thought they held their own, had uh, some really good really good individual games out there.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. Um since you took the defense, I will take the offense. <laughs> since I took both yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for that. I'll take the offense and I will go with Jalen Lloyd. I think that, you know, he He played in 10 games, but didn't really get a lot of work until late in the season. And he still finished third on the team with uh, 237 yards on six catches. Granted, two of those were for 50 plus, um, but he was one of two players in the entire conference that had multiple 50 plus yard touchdowns. And I just, I liked what I saw from him in the little bit that he was out there. Um, And I can't wait to see uh, his game continue to grow.
1: You know, it's incredible watching him make those big plays. It's like, if not for Matt Rule, he might not have played college football. Could have ran track. That was probably going to be the plan. Just run track. Uh, But Rule comes in, you know, offers him, sees that speed translating uh, there to that wide receiver position. And here he is, big playmaker, and going to be a major part of this offense next season.
0: Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah,
1: really incredible from him. And speaking of the offense, um. Even in a tough year, I uh, will still hand out an award for Offensive Player of the Season. I'm going Heinrich Harburg. What about you?
0: Grudgingly, I also go Heinrich Harburg.
1: I think, I mean, he, he scored was res- the most touchdowns. Yeah, he was responsible
0: yeah. for the majority of their offense. Um, he did have some good moments. He had some bad moments too, but um, that's just, yeah, he was responsible yeah. for the most of their offense. Uh, if we wanted to go uh, in a an unsung-ish guy, um, I'd say Ben Scott.
1: Yes, certainly. And I think it's tough, too, because you look at, like, those running backs. I mean, several of them contributed, but, like, none of them were the workhorse the whole year. Obviously, not necessarily the dominant wide receiver. The passing game was pretty limited. Three different quarterbacks played. Like, it was uh, every skill position was shook up. Heinrich, the most consistent of all of them. So that's that's who we're going with there. Tough year for the offense, but not so for the defense. I think there were a number of players we could have picked here uh, for the defensive player this season. I'm going to go with the leading tackler, Isaac Gifford. Uh, just seemed like every week he was making plays, stepping up there from the secondary. Great play recognition. Um, he was able to drop a little bit deeper, play some more games there in that safety role as opposed to maybe the rover there playing closer to the line of scrimmage. I mean, do-it-all player for the defense. Every week he was out there tackling. Uh, very consistent, consistent season from him.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I he is one that I considered as well, but I went with Reimer. I know he only played 10 games, but he was still a force out there. He had, let's see, I don't want to get it wrong. He had 25 tackles or 48 tackles, excuse me, with a seven and a half tackles for loss with five sacks and five quarterback hurries. So, and, you know, third team all big 10.
1: Yeah, you see Reimer out there. He's always in the thick of things. You know, he's making those defensive calls at the line of scrimmage too. Such a key player for this defense. And yeah, certainly I think his uh, his All-Big Ten selection was kind of a, a recognition of how well regarded he is by the coaches around the league as well. Yeah, absolutely. No question. And our final category, we had Offensive Player of the Year. We had Defensive Player of the Season. We got Team MVP, the most impactful Husker this year. We're in agreement on this one as well. Ty Robinson. Yep. What a year from him.
0: I mean, he... And he's coming back. Yeah. He could, do, he could play even better next year. I mean, just an incredible season from him on both defense and special teams. Um, I just don't think there's anybody else we could give this to.
1: Yeah. And it's one of those things, too, where, like, if you only looked at the stats... And you you looked at Ty Robinson's season, you'd be like, "Yeah, that was all right. But if you watched a game, you watched a couple offensive series, and he's in the backfield. He's got his hand up in the quarterback's face. He's getting past two rushers. You know, he's shooting right up the middle. Like, he is phenomenal. The impact that he made every game, pretty much every quarter that he was in. I mean, it was, as long as you watched a Nebraska game this season, you saw Ty Robinson make some impact.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And... I I wish there was like a stat or just like a line on the box score that just said how many times you're like in the pocket. Yeah, because it felt like any time they were, you know, looking to throw, he's back there. Absolutely. Every time. Yeah,
1: and certainly it seemed like no matter where he lined up to or you know whatever different blocks the offensive line tried to throw at him. I mean, he was he had a great swim move. Him and Huntmaker both uh, there on the interior. Uh, they were wreaking some havoc, and certainly Ty Robinson coming back i th- you gotta think he's gonna be a potential all big ten defense alignment next year
0: oh yeah, absolutely um I'm looking forward to it, and then you know with him on the on the field goal block team, i yeah. mean you know if if they uh, treated field goal blocks like volleyball blocks, he'd have two um And then you go back and you look, and he's so close on so many other ones, too. Like, I don't know. He's a a force to be reckoned with up there.
1: Yeah, just an impactful player, certainly. And his announcement a week or so ago that he was coming back uh, certainly kind of alleviated one of the major questions for this Nebraska offseason. A couple items to talk about on Nebraska's offseason to-do list. And I think first one on the top of that, hold on to Tony White.
0: If possible, yep.
1: might be tough, huh?
0: Yeah, um, he's interviewed. He has interviewed for the San Diego State opening. Um, I think that would be a really good fit for him. Um, I know that Matt Rule won't stand in the way of him leaving for a job if it's the right fit. If there's a support system there, if you don't feel like you're, um, on an island, and if he wants it, right and based on that he's, you know, interviewing for these, he wants it. And I think he'd be really good at it. I know that's not what Nebraska fans want. I know Nebraska fans want to keep him around, but, you know, go after your dreams.
1: But the other, the, other, <laughs> the flip side of the coin is, hey, wait for that. Ooh, super good power five opportunity come up is maybe the, th- the thinking that could get him to stay.
0: But... You know, on the other side of that, what if it never comes? Yeah. You know, like, true. these jobs don't necessarily grow on trees. Um, these opportunities don't come every day. Um, you could miss your window. Maybe Nebraska's defense is terrible next year, and he doesn't get the looks. And then, you know, th- there are—if you look at any level of football, NFL— Power Five, Division One, there aren't the opportunities for coaches of color like there are for your white coaches. They're, it's just not. And so I hate to tell a coach of color to turn down a head coaching opportunity if they want it, if they think it's the right fit, because it, it may never come again.
1: Yeah, certainly. And that's something Matt Rule mentioned a couple, a couple weeks ago. As much as we uh, we enjoy debating uh, Coach White's decisions for him, he will, of course, you know, be exploring those options. I think definitely wait and see mode uh, for Nebraska on that one. But certainly they want to hold on to him as a defensive coordinator. Uh, but player personnel is going to be a major, major uh, talking point these next couple of weeks. Transfer portal opening, um, decisions to make, and players healing from injuries too. Uh, several season-ending surgeries, uh, that that players went through these last these last couple months. You know, guys like Ramirez Johnson, Gabe Irvin, that we mentioned, Deshaun Singleton, Turner Corcoran, healing along the offensive line. Um obviously, those guys were starters. Nebraska's going to want to count on them in big roles next year too. but got to heal up, got to be able to come back and and be healthy for for spring practice is the the first step on that
0: list, and some of them won't be ready by yeah. then, just due to the nature of their injuries um so the goal for those guys would be get ready for camp yep
1: certainly so conditioning lots of months of conditioning await for those injured players but also decisions some of them uh for injured guys lots for uninjured guys but um wide receiver marcus washington's an interesting one technically out of eligibility uh could maybe seek an extra year uh, medical redshirt based on this last year but did appear in more than four games so don't know how uh lenient the NCAA wants to be on that one. That'd be an interesting one to watch. But lots of different other guys who have potential sixth year, fifth year, all confusing right now with uh the COVID stuff. That includes Garcia Castaneda, Isaac Gifford, Brian Bushini, John Bullock, Nick Henrik, Ethan Piper, Bryce Benhart. Not even an exhaustive list. There's more no. huskers out there. Um, so those guys, they'll take their time, you know, they're meeting with their coaches. Um, Not a huge rush on that, but Nebraska will want to have those numbers figured out in in the next couple weeks.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I whatever those guys choose to do, hopefully they choose, you know, for the right reasons. They really think about it, and I know that they will. Um, The last thing I want is people going after them on social media if they choose to leave because that's dumb. Don't do that. But
1: And the other thing, too, is, I mean, takes a toll on your body, four or five years of college football. Some of these guys have gotten injured in multiple seasons too. So mm-hmm. that will be part of the equation for those players uh, making those additional year of eligibility decisions. And as I mentioned, transfer portal, uh, this is a crazy, crazy time in college football now. Uh, so for Nebraska, it's twofold. Hold on to the guys that they have because a lot of promising young players, this era of college football, there's no guarantees that you're going to get them for four years Ah, uh, they can transfer away, and of course they got to hit the transfer portal. Uh, the needs that I've got listed: quarterback, maybe offensive line, depending on how those eligibility uh, returners decide. Wide receiver or defensive back; those are the four that I would maybe identify. But you could you could probably say any any spot on offense could realistically use uh, a little reinforcement.
0: Quarterback, circle it, underline it, highlight it, circle it again, exclamation point. Yes.
1: And there's, there's certainly been uh, no shortage of quarterbacks hitting the the transfer portal these last couple of days.
0: A yeah. Lot. Yeah. But, you know, you got to look like, yes, they might be a hot name, but do they fit the mold? And some of them haven't. So.
1: And the other thing to consider here, too, is obviously uh, when you're talking about a transfer portal quarterback, <laughs> the NIL equation is a, a major, major factor. So. You know, it's like balance the scheme, NIL, the player, the fit. I mean, there's it's a the lot of The culture fit, yeah. too.
0: That's really important for these guys as well. Yeah.
1: So next couple of weeks can probably expect uh, some movement in that area. Players come and players go in and decisions. And, of course, recruiting happening at the same time. Coaches will be out on the road. Uh, this Nebraska 2024 class, I think mostly finalized, uh, can maybe expect a couple more additions uh, there before that late December uh, early signing day, but they'll also be recruiting for the future 2025 guys, uh, major focus when those coaches get out. But one thing's for certain, I mean, in December in college football, this is a crazy time for everybody.
0: Yeah, the one, one positive of not making a bowl game is they don't have to balance yep. that on top of everything else. Yeah,
1: you get more time to look ahead to next year, whereas other staffs are scrambling to to balance those two things. Yep. Mm -hmm. If there
0: is one downside to (laughs) it is they can focus all of their attention on the future.
1: Yep. So certainly uh, expect some roster changes. Um, This will take place next couple weeks, of course. Any breaking news, anything that that follows, make sure to stay tuned at journalstar.com. And as I mentioned, anybody looking for a little bit of volleyball action will be joined by Brent Wagner. Later this week, special... Volleyball NCAA Tournament Preview, Life in the Red Edition. Looking forward to it. Should be fun. Yep. So that'll do it for today's episode. As always, appreciate all of you listeners and viewers. We'll see you later this week.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early
1: so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call,
0: click or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast.